Unprepared to engage Mormon missionaries when they knock on your door? Perhaps the book Mormonism 101 will help. Mormonism 101, published by Baker Book. Available at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. I'm holding in my hand a copy of the July-August 2015 edition of LDS Living. LDS Living is a Mormon magazine, although it is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The reason I wanted to talk about this today is because inside this particular issue, on page 12, there is an article titled, Temple Work for the Founding Fathers. Now, oftentimes, Eric, we have received criticism from well-meaning Christians because they think that we shouldn't be citing citations from, let's say, the 19th or even 20th century, that we should only deal with things that are more modern in the context of Mormonism, lest we try to give the idea or the impression that Mormons still believe a lot of the things that they believed in the 19th century. I think we try very hard to make it clear that if the Mormon church has made a course correction over the years from the 19th or even 20th century, such as polygamy, that's the biggie, or blacks not being allowed to hold a priesthood. We know that there were changes made in the late 19th century regarding polygamy with a manifesto, and also with the 1978 declaration allowing all worthy males to hold the priesthood. But while we might not use that information to say that Mormons are believing that today, they certainly did believe it before 1978 as far as blacks not being allowed to have the priesthood. And so we can go in and say this is what was once taught. I've actually had Latter-day Saints say that's not fair because we've changed the way we believe things. Well, that's true the way you believe now, but that's not the way it was before 1978 or with polygamy, as you mentioned, before 1890. And I think people need to know what the Mormon Church was teaching in the past because I think that reflects on the spirituality of the leadership. It just shows that if they believe something back then that they no longer believe now, what was wrong? What was wrong with what they were believing back then that they had to make a course correction? And I don't know if that is really understood by a lot of people looking from the outside in, or even among many of those who are on the inside looking out. But the reason why I wanted to bring up this particular issue of LDS Living is this article, Temple Work for the Founding Fathers. It begins by saying this, In August 1877, President Wilford Woodruff, who was the fourth president of the Mormon Church, had what he called two quote-unquote night visions or inspired dreams. In them, he said, the signers of the Declaration of Independence gathered around him and, quote, demanded that he have their temple work completed. He later said George Washington was also present in that request. Their concern wasn't baptisms for the dead, however, but their endowments. In fact, the proxy baptisms for the signers 
which had started in Nauvoo, this would be Illinois, had been completed in 1876. Now, we might mention to our listeners, if they're not familiar with this practice in Mormonism, that baptisms for the dead are performed in Mormon temples on behalf of those who were not Latter-day Saints during their mortality, because baptism in water is essential for salvation in Mormon theology, and since there is no water in the spirit world, Mormons feel compelled to perform these proxy baptisms on behalf of the dead, giving them an opportunity to receive or reject the baptism that was done on their behalf. That's the distinction that's being made in this article. The point we're making here, folks, is yes, this happened in the 19th century, but notice it's in a modern edition of a Mormon magazine. Even though it's not an official publication of the church, some editor at this magazine felt that this was an important story to tell to reinsert it in this magazine in 2015. Their concern wasn't baptism for the dead, but for their endowments. What is the story as it is recorded in the Journal of Discourses where we find Wilford Woodruff telling this story that's being related here. And this is found in Journal of Discourses, as you mentioned, Volume 19, page 229, and he said this on September 16, 1877, so a month after this took place. This is what he said. The dead will be after you. They will seek after you as they have after us in St. George. They called upon us, knowing that we held the keys and power to redeem them. I will here say, before closing, that two weeks before I left St. George, the spirits of the dead gathered around me, wanting to know why we did not redeem them. Said they, You have had the use of the endowment house for a number of years, and yet nothing has ever been done for us. We laid the foundation of the government you now enjoy, and we never apostatized from it, but we remained true to it and were faithful to God. These were the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and they waited on me for two days and two nights. I thought it very singular that notwithstanding so much work had been done, and yet nothing had been done for them. The thought never entered my heart from the fact, I suppose, that heretofore our minds were reaching after our more immediate friends and relatives. I straightway went into the baptismal font and called upon Brother McAllister to baptize me for the signers of the Declaration of Independence and fifty other eminent men, making one hundred in all, including John Wesley, Columbus, and others. I then baptized him for every president of the United States except three, and when their cause is just, somebody will do the work for them. That story goes right along with what the writer says in this article in LDS Living, because it does mention, by August of the same year, endowments for the dead had been going on for months, yet nothing had been done to complete the signer's temple work. Woodruff determined to do it himself. He discovered that the endowment work hadn't been completed for 54 of the signers, so he decided to find 46 additional eminent men from history to make it an even 100, as you've mentioned there. This article in LDS Living goes on to say, The signers' visit to Woodruff began a process of changing the way Latter-day Saints thought about the scope of temple work. Not only did they begin to understand the necessity of performing all ordinances of the gospel for those who were dead, but they also began to see that the temple and its ordinances were meant for all people. Today, the church strongly discourages members from doing similar celebrity ordinances, 
but the legacy of Woodruff's experiences show the importance of reaching out to all God's children. Now, of course, Mormons believe that all human beings are the literal children of God, born to God the Father and Heavenly Mother in in the pre-existence. So that's where that language comes from. Let's say a regular member in the Mormon church was to have some kind of a visitation from a celebrity in the past. Would the Mormon church allow them to be baptized on their behalf? And we know that many well-known people in history have been baptized by proxy since the Mormons started doing this many years ago. John Wesley, for instance, has been baptized by proxy, as well as Martin Luther has been baptized by proxy. And that always cracks me up, because here Martin Luther was trying so hard to get away from a structure that believed in works for salvation. And now, if we're to believe the hopes of many Mormons, now he's right back in one. Now, in his story, Woodruff does talk about being visited by these signers of the Declaration, but he doesn't talk about the others that he got baptized for, including the presidents of the United States. He did not get baptized for all of them. As he says, every president except three. I want to just point out who those three were. James Buchanan, Martin Van Buren, and Ulysses S. Grant. Now, at that time, Ulysses Grant was actually still alive, so he couldn't have had his work done for him. But Woodruff did not do the performance of the temple work for the two deceased presidents because of what they did against the saints during their administrations. And so I find that interesting. Those two presidents had actions against the Latter-day Saints that Woodruff didn't like, and so he's not going to do their work. Well, James Buchanan was the one who sent the military contingency out to Utah in what came to be known as the Utah Wars in 1857. And so I can understand why they wouldn't be happy with James Buchanan. I mean, that that story in and of itself shows why I think a lot of Latter-day Saints would have a, a beef with him. Uh, Van Buren was the president when Joseph Smith went to Washington to express his grievances to the government about how badly he felt the Mormons were being treated as well. So it's understood also why they wouldn't like him. And Buchanan did not have his work done until 1932 and Van Buren 1939. So I think that's fascinating that somebody could say, I just don't want to do the work and make them wait decades to have that work done. And again, the, the reason for us bringing this out is because, see, This is still hailed by Latter-day Saints as a positive experience. Being visited by dead people in Mormonism is considered positive. And as Christians, certainly we would struggle with that because we find nowhere in the Bible where being visited by the dead is something that is encouraged. In fact, when Mormons will often bring up, for instance, well, what do you do with Samuel? When King Saul went to go to this medium, what's known in the King James as this witch at Endor, and Samuel is conjured up from the dead, they'll say, well, there's an example of it. But when you look very carefully at that story, it certainly is not a positive thing. It's the only time something like this happens And it's not considered a positive experience. In fact, Saul dies not long after this. Yeah, he's criticized for doing it, and then he ends up dying. That doesn't sound like a positive experience to me. And so if a Mormon wants to point to the Bible as somehow justification for being visited by the dead, I think they're going to be hard-pressed to find good, solid verses that would support such a practice. Yeah, you're making a great point. And I would say the Latter-day Saint needs to show any positive experiences that took place either in the Bible or the Book of Mormon, for that matter. 
ancient scripture does not support the idea that we're supposed to go out looking for experiences or if they do happen to us to appreciate that i mean there are experiences like the transfiguration and the, the transfiguration with uh, jesus there that's something that's much different than having an experience that happens in a temple yeah we're not supposed to be conjuring up the dead to get any advice from them or anything like that but yet we we do know of cases where mormons do point to experiences of communication with the dead and, it, and again i want to point out there is nothing positive about that in the bible message Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormon Church, is a huge topic of interest among many Bible-believing Christians who want to reach their LDS friends and loved ones with the biblical message of hope and grace. If you're a Christian who wants to be better informed about the beliefs of the Mormon people, Mormonism Research Ministry wants to be a resource for you. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has worked hard to clearly articulate Mormon doctrine and history in order to better understand the issues that separate Mormonism from the Christian faith. At MR mrm.org, you'll find links to hundreds of articles as well as dozens of videos that will effectively educate you on this fascinating topic. Should your church need a live presentation? Simply contact MRM and schedule one of our several PowerPoint presentations that have helped thousands of Christians better understand the beliefs of their LDS neighbors. To schedule MRM at your church, write us at mrm.org or call 801-572-2153. Let MRM help you become a confident ambassador for Christ.